listening to Belt of Truth. Conversations arming laity, powered by the Armor of God Men's Movement. Visit our website at armingmen.com. Hello, this is Bishop Kevin Rhodes of the Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend. You are listening to the Belt of Truth. I'm so happy to be with you today to express my support for this podcast and my gratitude for spreading the good news of the gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to bring Belt of Truth to others, to speak these amazing realities of our Catholic faith into the world. We thank you for all those who have gathered with us and those that will continue to gather with us. Allow our conversations to be an inspiration, a motivation, and a transformation for the souls that receive this. We ask this as we pray together, St. Michael, the Archangel, to defend us in battle. Be our safeguard against the wickedness and the snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome, friends. You're listening to The Belt of Truth. I'm Rob Gregory. I'm here with a friend of mine, Mr. Robert Rogers. How are you doing today? I am blessed of the Lord. Thank you, Rob. Mr. Rogers, you have a ministry, Mighty in the Land Ministry. Right. Yeah. How's that going for you today? Well, by the grace of God, it's still going after almost 20 years, would you believe? It doesn't seem like that long, but God birthed it through me through a dramatic and traumatic experience many years ago, and He's behind this ministry, and if God's behind it, you can't stop it. So, it's all Him. I believe that. I heard of your story well before I met you, Hmm. which I could probably say a lot of people could say in this area. You had a, a story that was a national story. How is it possible for a man like yourself, to have lost his wife and his children and still be as joyful as I see you today? Well, to rejoice is a choice. (laughs) Joy and misery are both choices. But it's a choice to delight in what is good. And I made a choice to do that even after my wife and four children passed away in 2003. And it's not always easy. A lot of times my feet hit the floor and I don't quite feel like rejoicing. (laughs) But even to this day, the first words out of my mouth in the morning are, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will rejoice, so I choose to. And it's the joy of the Lord. That's what's my strength. That's what kept me going then. That's what keeps me going now. I saw a video of you giving an interview on uh, a national syndicate years ago Mm -hmm. after that event happened where you lost your wife and children. And you had a a kind of a a measured tone to you at that time. Mm -hmm. It was very fresh after that moment. It doesn't seem like it shook you like it would most people. Hmm. Is that a fair assessment? I think so, based on what neighbors and other people have said. And some people even ask my neighbors, is this guy for real? I mean, could he really still have a modicum of a smile on his face or have peace? And what's that kind of aura around him? He said, yeah, that's that's just Robert. I mean, he, he loves God. He loves his family. He misses him. But he knows where they are. And I guess I could describe it best by just saying it was a a grace bubble (laughs) around me from God that equipped me with what I needed to get through that moment. And I always believe God gives you just what you need right when you need it. And uh, life is a lot like a tube of toothpaste. It's going to squeeze you, and whatever's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. And I think only by the grace of God that I had filled my heart with God's Word for many years before that, memorizing scripture, sharing it with our children, teaching them, singing it. And when life squeezed me, that's what came out, is words of hope, words of scripture. 
it doesn't mean it took away the grief and the pain. I still grieve. I still cry. I take an hour-long walk nearly every morning. And during that walk, I lift my hand up to heaven and make a sign for I love you up to heaven and tell them I love them, I miss them. And there's times I still melt into a puddle. But I still choose to rejoice. I still choose to have joy. And it's truly the grace of God that has seen me through then and does now. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength that I need. Tell us what happened, Robert. I mean, some, some people don't know the story. Tell, tell us what happened to you. Sure. Well, we were living the American dream. I had graduated with my engineering degree in Cincinnati, and then my first job was California. I had married uh, a girl from Kansas. We had met in Boston, so we'd been across country. Uh, I was playing the piano. And we fell in love and got married and moved to California, had our first child, and then moved to Kansas City after about five years, and had three more children and a few miscarriages along the way. So we saw a lot of life, a lot of death, uh, and two of our children were special needs, one with Down syndrome, and then one we had adopted from China with a journey of love in early 2003. And that was a great experience to truly experience the Father heart of God, because we're all orphans because of sin. But, be, but when we come home, when we receive Jesus fully as our Lord, King, our Savior, everything, we're His adopted children. And so there we were, two boys, two girls, you know, a decent job, high-tech job. And uh, we'd gone to Wichita, Kansas, about a three-hour drive from Kansas City for a relative's wedding. And it was a summer where it was an extreme drought, and so everybody was praying for rain. Unfortunately, we got it all at once. Uh, Hurricane Isabella storm system, I believe it was, kind of parked over the Midwest and dumped a ton of rain uh, over nine inches in a few hours. And on the way home from the wedding, after the wedding, we had gone out for ice cream and just had a great time with family, but it was dark and still raining. Wipers going full blast on the Kansas Turnpike, I-35, and uh, my wife, Melissa, was driving first. And uh, we were just following the cars in front of us, and unbeknownst to us, we'd splashed into a flash flood that had formed across the freeway. It was up to our bumper, and we were trying to follow the cars in front of us, and the semi in front of us stopped, and our car was quickly overtaken by the floodwaters, and the engine stalled. And it was rushing by so quickly we didn't feel right trying to carry our children to safety, because even ankle-high water can knock you down. And so in the minivan, we were doing three really important things, Rob. Number one, we were saying the name of Jesus, saying, Jesus, save us. Jesus, save us. Number two, we were singing a song of praise. We were singing, Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you came to save us. And then we were speaking scripture, Psalm 46, that says, God is my strength. God is my refuge and ever-present help in time of trouble. We will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall to the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and the mountains quake. The Lord our God is with us. He is our fortress. So he's an ever-present help in time of distress. So God was there through our words of Jesus on our lips, through our praise, and through Scripture. And the water was now rushing over the concrete median about three feet high or so. And we felt, and we were pinned against that meeting. We felt well, at least we're stable. And once the water recedes, goes down, we'll get towed, and all will be well. Well, suddenly a seven-foot wall of water came crashing across the freeway and took everything in its path, over 200 feet of huge concrete barriers and lots of vehicles. And so we were plunged into this deluge. And in an effort to get our family out, I kicked out the driver's side window, and it was like popping a balloon, and the force of the water just flushed everything, everyone that wasn't tied down, out of our minivan. And so instantly I was just 
tumbling in the water like a rag doll in a washing machine. I had no control over my motions. And I was ingesting the floodwaters. I was drowning and dying. I, I couldn't see anything. I couldn't breathe. But Rob, strangely, it, it felt peaceful. And I, I can't explain that to this day. But anyone who's having a near-death experience can probably relate that God is there, even at that moment of death. And like we sing so often, and I've sung since childhood, Though you pass through raging waters in the sea, you shall not drown. Know that I am with you. He was with us even then. It felt as if God had his hand around all six of us, lifting us up to heaven. And it felt okay. But I was still being tossed and turned. My head bobbed above the water. Somehow I was washed to the left-hand shore. And I, I regurgitated everything that I ingested. And I cried out for my family. I tried to find them. I, it was like being next to Niagara Falls. It was so loud and so overwhelming. I could see flashing lights back on the freeway. And I knew I had to go for help because I was traumatized physically. I, I could barely move. And so I was slipping and sliding and just doing my best to get back to the freeway. And I made my way up a 30-foot embankment to a police officer, and he put me in an ambulance where I laid for, I think, some three hours while they tried to begin a search and rescue for my family. Uh, so they finally took me, after they had not found them, and after three hours, they took me to a hospital in Emporia, Kansas. And middle of the night, an officer and a chaplain came to my room with their hats on their chest, and they somberly walked in. They said, Robert, we, we found your minivan, and it was upside down a mile and a half from the freeway. They said three of your youngest children were still in their car seats, and they are dead. And Robert would need to ask you to identify their bodies. And what do you do? I mean, it's every parent's worst nightmare. All my blood just went to my toes, and they led me down this long hallway. At first, I couldn't even cry. I just felt numb. But they pulled back the drape, and there before me was our son, Zachary, was with Down syndrome, just five years old. Our son, Nicholas, just three years old. Our daughter, Alina, our precious little sweepy from China, still only one year old. We only had her for a few short months. And then the floodgates of tears just burst forth, and I collapsed over each of their bodies and stroked their wet hair and cried and groaned and wailed from my gut like I was going to throw up again. And a few hours later, they came to my room again and said we found McKenna. She was our oldest daughter, just eight years old, and she had apparently caught on a barbed wire fence a short distance from my minivan. I had to go identify daddy's first little girl. But over each of our children, somehow the Holy Spirit just inspired me to lay my hand on their chest and raise my other hand up to heaven. And I just said the words of Jesus on the cross came to me, Lord, into your hands I commend their spirits. Because I knew and I realized they didn't belong to me. They belonged to him. Like the song we sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. Little ones to him belong. And Rob, I guess that helps in the grieving, the recovery process, the long, arduous process, but that initial surrendering was so important to let them go and not to hold on to them and shaking my fist at God saying, why, why, how dare you, and that kind of thing, but just to release them into his arms. And for days we prayed and hoped they would somehow find my wife, Melissa. We'd been married for 11 years by that point. And on the third day, they found her two miles from the freeway in this retention pond that had tripled in size from all the floodwaters. And so I had to identify my wife of over 11 years. And what do you do when your world comes crashing down like that? Where do you run? What's going to hold you up at a time like that? I'm here to say, Rob, it can only be the power of God's Word. And that's why I love the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, because it truly is 
Like Hebrews 1.3 says, what holds the universe together is the power of His Word. And that's what can keep my world from spinning apart when it feels as though it might. That's the only way I can be here this day talking to you is by the grace of God, the power of prayer, and the power of God's Word. I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, when, when, when you spoke at our last retreat and, and coupled with that testimony, you had some video to show of some of the newscasts of that story. First of all, there wasn't a dry eye in the room. And second of all, I, I don't know of one person that could comprehend the level of strength and courage that you showed to go straight into putting your hand on your child and your hand up to God and connecting that immediately. No, you didn't flinch. Mm-mm. You didn't even blink. And I didn't, I didn't um, question God. I mean, I, I had lots of questions, but I didn't blame Him. I, we can't blame Him over what was lost. We have to thank Him for what we found. And suddenly I found this newfound dependence upon Him. That truly, He's my everything. And like Apostle Paul said, or like God said to Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for you when He had that thorn in the flesh. And that's why it was a grace cocoon around me at that time and really still with me to this day. It doesn't take away the grieving process. We have to go through that. And I went through three years of professional grief counseling to treat PTSD. But by God's grace, I never had any depression, no nervous breakdowns. I've never done drugs my entire life. I've never smoked, no drunkenness or promiscuity or internet garbage. And that, those were choices I made. That's humanly impossible. I mean, that can only be the grace of God and the power of prayer. I did eat lots of ice cream and peanut butter and chocolate, (laughs) but I took a lot of walks. I exercised a lot, and that just helped to kind of get what was inside to the outside. I wrote a lot. I composed music. I sat at the piano with my Bible open and just composed songs on the fly and just cried out to God. I just tried to do constructive things, not destructive things. And so I thank God for... My parents and their example, uh, as the youngest of eight children, uh, for all my siblings praying for me, and for the whole body of Christ. I still meet people to this day, almost 20 years later, who say, I remember that. I saw that on TV, and I prayed for you then. And I have to say, thank you. Your prayers work. Look at what God has done. This can only be the hand of Almighty God. The faithfulness that you exhibited immediately, what you talked a little bit about your upbringing. Was that instilled in you before this event? Absolutely. Yeah. Some people asked, Robert, could you, did you develop your faith at the time of the flood? I said, heavens no, I would have been wiped out if I hadn't had my faith before then. So I was raised a cradle Catholic, um, but like many, I was a pew warmer. I mean, I was an altar server as a child and went to Catholic grade school, St. Savior, all guys, Jesuit high school, great education, great framework of my faith. I had a good skeleton, I like to say, but I didn't feel like I had meat and flesh on those bones. And as a teenager, I started asking all these questions, God, are you there? What's this all about? What's the Mass about? What am I doing? Just kind of clocking in and clocking out of Mass every Sunday. And it brought me on a journey, a spiritual journey that brought me to the feet of Jesus and just a complete surrender, falling in love with Him, falling in love with His Word, and I started memorizing scripture. There was a great priest in Cincinnati named Father Al, Father Al Lauer, of uh, Presentation Ministries. And his devotion 
he's passed away many years ago, but his devotional book, One Bread, One Body, still goes out uh, regularly to, I think, hundreds of thousands of people. And his love for the Word of God helped ignite a love for the Word of God within me. And so, I began memorizing Scripture, and I had these little Scripture cards I put in my pocket. For God's love the world that He gave, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, and all these on and on. And so, my faith was being fortified over the years. Looking back, you can kind of see God's fingerprints through your life, and seeing how He was using that to strengthen uh, the faith muscles, just like we try to exercise every day to strengthen our physical muscles. We have to exercise our faith muscles as well. And this is a big part of that. And so, that and then coupled with just getting through two miscarriages during my marriage to Melissa, getting through the Down syndrome and all the challenges and questions that brings. Uh, again, Lord, why would you bring us, bless us with a challenging child with special needs and deal with his autism, his colostomy bag, his cleft palate, all these challenges, but all these blessings. And we came to realize that disability really is an opportunity to grow closer to God and closer to each other and stronger in our faith. The whole journey of love of an adoption process is a big leap of faith, but a great journey. So, looking back, probably I can see how God was using all these experiences. And we all have these step zones of faith to help fortify our faith, to strengthen us, to prepare us for what lies ahead. I never could have imagined what lied ahead. If someone asked me if I was ready for it, I probably would have been the first to say, no way. But at that moment, somehow, He gave me the strength and the grace to, to persevere through it. And then people just started responding, saying, man, Robert, I, I saw the interview with you on TV or the press conference, and I've been struggling with Christ for years, but when I saw your strength and courage on television, you helped give me the strength and courage to give my whole heart to God. And praise the Lord, even one more committed soul for God's kingdom. And people started inviting me to come to their church or their pancake breakfast or their school or whatnot. And I just said, I don't know. What do I have to share? What do I have to say? I, I've never done this. I'm a shy, reserved introvert. <laughs> my least comfortable spot was always in front of people behind a microphone. But God often uses our weakness to display His strength. And so I just got up and just started sharing a story. It really began with the first press conference in Emporia. Uh, my parents had flown from Cincinnati to Kansas City. Drove, they drove to Emporia to be with me when they were still looking for the rest of my family. And the police came to me and said, well, there's a lot of press and questions, and we'd like you to give a press conference. And I said, Dad, what do I say? I don't know where to begin. He just said, Robert, give it straight. Just talk about your family. Talk about your faith. And just tell it like it is. And that's what I've been doing ever since, is just sharing my heart. And uh, the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And each one of us has a testimony, a story to share. Out of every great test come a great testimony. The key is how we respond. Life is about 10% what happens to you, about 90% how we respond to what happens to us. And so, if we respond in faith and let God's strength hold us up at those times, then people can see that and it'll encourage them and say, if He can get through it, then so can I. Let's talk about how you responded. I mean, in a moment of tragedy, you know, I, I would only hope that I could have a fraction of your courage, but to look forward now 
and see that you didn't crumble, you didn't cave, and you didn't become bitter and angry. Let's talk about your life today. What blessings have happened since then for you? Boy, too many to count. It's been an epic adventure with the Lord. I had tried to go back to engineering after a few months after my family died. I've been doing engineering for uh, upwards of a decade or so, I think, by that point. And, but it just felt like a shoe that no longer fit. And uh, I took a three-week train trip across the country just to retrace some of our steps from California all the way to the East Coast and visit with some friends and relatives and just kind of get my bearings and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And that's where he led me into full-time ministry. He didn't say, here's a ministry, Robert, but no, people just started coming and asking. I think that first year I shared over 100 times. The second year, about 110 times. I said, okay, Lord, I think I finally get it. You want me to do this full-time, so... I uh, requested a board of directors to help support me and make good decisions and so forth. And initially people asked, what do you charge? And I thought, I, I have no idea. I, I can't even put a price on it. If I tried to, you couldn't afford it. It cost me everything. It's priceless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I just thought, you know, Apostle Paul said, I cannot charge for the gospel. He accepted support, but he didn't charge. And that's what I've always done. And in been amazing how these past 19 and a half years, how God has met every need, even through COVID and the shutdown, how uh, He always shows up in a mighty way. There have been just been so many blessings of people uh, giving from small towns and small churches and, and meeting every need along the way. But even more so, um, three years after my family passed away, uh, I married a beautiful girl from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Her name is Inga. And I never thought I'd marry again. I didn't want to date. I just didn't want to go down that whole long road. I just knew to put your heart out there may involve some pain. Because when you love, you open yourself up to possible pain, of course. And uh, my heart was vulnerable. But the more time I spent around her, I, I fell in love with her. But I want to make sure I didn't love her as a replacement to my previous wife not because my heart was aching, but to love her for who she is. And she's someone who kept her purity for me. I thought that she is a precious gift to give. I better make sure I love her completely and I love her for the right reasons. And so by God's grace, we married in May of 2006. And so we've been, we've been married over 16 years now. And uh, God bless us with a magnificent son in 2007. We named Ezekiel Thomas. And then a gorgeous daughter in 2008 named Estella Eve. And uh, 2009, we endured a really tough miscarriage where Inga just started bleeding profusely. We had no idea what was happening, didn't know she was pregnant. Took her to the hospital, they did an ultrasound, and there was about a five-month-long fetus uh, deceased within her. And so they delivered that little baby, and we got to hold him in our hands, a precious little boy, about five inches long, roughly. And... uh, we named him Dale, little Dale. So we had to bury him. That was excruciating. But then about a year later, uh, God blessed us with another son. We named him Leo, Leo George. And then two years later, another daughter in 2012, we named Lola Elizabeth. So here we were, two boys, two girls. And my previous family were two boys and two girls. I mean, you can't <laughs> manufacture, you can't predict or plan this. This is all God. This is so amazing. And much like the story of Job, 
who lost his health, he lost his wealth, he lost all ten of his children, seven boys and three girls. But God restored him, not one for one, but two for one, double of everything, including double the family. God blessed him with seven more boys and three more girls, and he had seven boys and three girls in heaven. So we home educate our children. I work out of my home office. We have a very loud and active household, but it's delightful. And we just love our children to pieces. And then several years ago, my wife was trying on some jeans, some jeans and saying, am I getting fat? And as a husband, you have to be really careful how you answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> There's almost no good answer to that. Nope. <laughs> be careful. Well, we went to the drugstore, got a pregnancy test. She was pregnant. Thanks be to God. So in... Uh, 2018, we gave birth to Solomon, Solomon Gideon Rogers. So we have teenagers down to toddlers now, 15 down to age four. Mm. So full household, but people say, boy, your hands are full. We like to say, yeah, you ought to see our hearts. They're even fuller. Your wife now, your children now, they know the story. Yes. I mean, how do you think that's touched their hearts to to know Mm. of that prior journey that you went through? Hmm. Well, they... They help out with the ministry, and so they know it because they've heard me share it many times. We go together to churches, and Catholic, Protestant, Amish, Mennonite, you name it, all kinds, all places around the country, and we've journeyed together in our little Honda Odyssey, crammed in with (laughs) boxes of books and luggage and life jackets for the swimming pool if there's one at the hotel, and you name it. But they've helped to put the bookmarks inside of the book, and they've heard me tell the story, and after... I share, they often hand out bookmarks. And so, it's part of our family. It's God's good news through our family story. And I think, I would hope it's given them a taste of eternity, that they realize it's okay to talk about death. It's okay to cry, because they've seen me cry in front of people, on an altar, on a stage, or whatever, a platform, quite a few times. And even more so recently, because their grandpa just passed away uh, two days before Christmas, very unexpectedly. He had um, received a pacemaker and developed an infection, and, and then he had a stroke, and it just got worse and worse, and one thing led to another. And We were all expecting him to be home for Thanksgiving, and but just turned for the worse. And so it's been a very difficult time for them. But it seems that talking about life and death and heaven with them has helped them to at least process their grandpa's death a little, I want to say easier, but with a little less more, a little more less difficulty. Uh, and then less than a month later, my brother, my oldest brother, uh, their uncle Paul, uh, passed away. So I'm one of uh, five boys in our family. And he was fairly young and a, a very, an excellent and a successful cardiologist and just a giver, always giving his life and his time away. And he was battling cancer for about 11 months. So that was very tough for them and all of us to see him pass away so early in life, it seems. But I think it's taught all of us to recognize the sovereignty of God, that God's in control, that Psalm 139 says how he knows essentially the day of our birth and day of our death. And either we trust him or we don't. He says in the Psalms, trust me in your times of trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. And so he calls us just to trust his hand, even when we don't understand. We can always trust his heart, even when things don't make sense. But he rescued me that night of the flood, 
he rescued my family. They got, to, they got to go to heaven. But I was rescued in a different way, so I could be with you today telling a story, and that lives could be impacted, I believe. And now with five more children, and who knows what fruitfulness God will bring forth uh, through our family. But God uses all things together for good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Robert, how, how do people support your ministry now today? Well, uh, our website, mightyintheland.com, and people give that way, or when I come and share in person, and uh, just referring this ministry to other uh, churches, parish missions, uh, even other, other denominations, other cities and states around the country, uh, I go where I'm invited. And uh, I've shared over 1,300 times as best I can track. <laughs> and most places are usually a small church or small community or gathering, maybe 100, 200 people, sometimes a big men's conference with thousands. But um, I love the interaction with folks afterwards because uh, you just look into their eyes and you see their level of pain. And sometimes people say, well, my loss is not as bad as yours, Robert. And I always try to quick to say, no, no, every loss is uniquely devastating when you're the one going through it. And if my story can help you get through yours, then this has been worthwhile coming. I mean, my testimony has cost me everything, but I do charge nothing. And so people give through the mail, through the internet, or at ministry visits. I make my books and things available. I've written five books. I make those available to anybody for anything, even for free. So if people need them, they can take them. But some give more, some give less. At the end of the year, it all seems to work out. So it's truly amazing how God's behind it. Mightyintheland.com. Yes. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. I've gotten to know you, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you, this This is going to be awkward for people because mm-hmm. to hear this story and to see and hear the unwavering faithfulness coming from a human being, this is not what we're used to. Uh, in fact, I would say this is countercultural. To hear your story and to hear the fruits of your unwavering faithfulness today and the life you're living today because you didn't cave is not the message society is sending us every day. Right. And you're sending us quite the opposite. Are you seeing people respond to that? Very much so, in a very positive way. And that's why I keep doing what I'm doing. I just say almost every day, Lord, here I am. I come to do your will. Open every door, provide every need. Protect us every step of the way. But I love John chapter 15, because Jesus said, I chose you. I appointed you to go and bear fruit that will last. So the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. And that's some of the beautiful fruit and graces that will last, that will endure. It's people seeing it and saying, if God can strengthen that guy, I don't care if they know my name. I care if they know the name of Jesus. If God can strengthen this one guy who lost his family, and God can restore him, then he can strengthen and restore me. Because Psalm 71 says, you've allowed me to suffer much hardship, but you will restore me to life again and lift me up from the depths of the earth. You restore me to even greater honor and comfort me once again. As you know, Rob, we live in a world that's full of trouble and full of distress and people in agony and people in deep anxiety, and they don't have peace and they need comfort. But as Paul says in Corinthians, the comfort which we have received, so we have to actively receive God's comfort, then we can give to others to help them in their time of distress. And we did that just last week at my brother's funeral in Louisville, and before that at my grandfather's funeral. 
and I needed comforting too, and so others comforted me, and, and it channels and flows through us to others. But we're the conduit, and we don't want to be a, a cul-de-sac Christian, but rather a conduit to allow God's graces and blessings to flow through us. And so that's why I love doing what I do. I could easily have a high-paying, high-tech job now with degrees in engineering and business, but I love full-time ministry because it's complete dependence on God for everything, for our daily bread. And like you said, it is countercultural. It doesn't make sense. But people are looking for what's real, and so I hope they see that through this ministry. I hope they're challenged. I hope all the men and anyone hearing this podcast are challenged to gird yourself with the Word of God, strengthen your faith, fortify your faith. Just like Noah built the ark one board at a time, we have to build the ark of our faith. So, if and when a storm comes, we're ready. God was building the ark of my faith, and I didn't know the storm that was coming. But only by God's grace was He thought I was ready. And, uh, much like Jesus in the boat with the disciples, with a storm swirling around them. And then he calmed the storm and said, where is your faith? He wants us to have the faith to get from here. He said, well, let's go to the other side of the lake, right? He promised they would get there, but he didn't promise there wouldn't be a storm in between. But he was with them through the storm. And we have to keep our eyes on Jesus in the storm, on the God in the boat, rather than keep our eyes on the storm. Normally, I ask the guests the final question, are you hopeful? Today, I'll do it a little differently because you just answered this and crushed it out of the park in terms of your vision and and your hopefulness. I'll say this, I am hopeful. I am hopeful because when I hear you talk, I understand that unwavering faithfulness is essential in our lives. We can't do it without it. And you have modeled that to myself, the men of this ministry, the people who are listening to this podcast. Thank you. Thank you for that, and you bring me tremendous hope to know that this is worth the fight. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank God. You've been listening to Belt of Truth, powered by the Armor of God Men's Movement, located in Fort Wayne, South Bend Diocese in Fort Wayne, Indiana. For more information about Belt of Truth and Armor of God, visit armingmen.com. We're coming out of a pandemic. Depression's at an all-time high. Marriages are in disarray. Churches are divided. We're arguing over gender. The sanctity of life is under attack. Now is the time and the season to have real conversations. We're going to take a microphone and we're going to go find people to authentically have real conversations designed to arm people to reclaim that priestly authority. Come join us on Belt of Truth. Our podcast is real and it's going to enlighten you and enrich you to a point where you're going to want to take these issues on. Come join us at the Belt of Truth.